Hello, and welcome to AMA Thriving in Private Practice, a 10-episode series exploring the unique needs of physicians in private practice settings. In our show, we'll talk about efficiency solutions and how to transition into the world of private practice. We also will focus on other tips and tools to help free up time so you can focus on your patients. I'm your host, Carol Vargo. Director of Physician Practice Sustainability at the American Medical Association. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Christine Sinsky, Vice President of Professional Satisfaction at the AMA and one of the nation's foremost experts on addressing physician burnout. Welcome, Dr. Sinsky. How are you today? Well, thanks so much, Carol. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Let's give our listeners some background. Can you share with us how your previous experience in private practice led you to your role in researching and developing solutions to burnout? Sure, Carol. I'm happy to. I spent 32 years in private practice in Dubuque, Iowa, where I went into practice right out of my residency. I was fortunate to land in a physician-owned multi-specialty practice that has about 100 physicians uh, that has had that amount over the last several years. Because we are physician-owned, we owned the business. And in our case, we also owned a health plan that covered about a third of our patient population. And therefore, as physicians, we each wore three hats, the practice owner, the payer, and the physician. And although I wasn't wise enough to recognize it when I joined the practice, I was really fortunate to be in this setting. We had a lot of individual agency over how the practice was structured and over our compensation because we were responsible for our own overhead. And over time, I and the other physicians that worked in my particular pod were able to gradually re-engineer the way we did our work in a way that both contributed to better patient care and also to a better experience for the staff and for ourselves. And so that model of care helped to reduce our own burnout. And as I began to experience what was happening in other practices, I found that that was unique. And so that led to increasing involvement in efforts to improve practice efficiency and workflow and professional satisfaction and reducing burnout. So that experience of over 30 years in being able to um, re-engineer, as you noted, and then do all this research really has led you to become, as I said, one of the nation's experts on burnout. So let's talk a bit about burnout now. How does burnout manifest for our private practice physicians? Great question. So the symptoms of burnout I have found are quite similar, whether a physician is practicing in an urban setting or a rural setting, whether they're in private practice or in an academic setting or an employed setting. The symptoms are traditionally identified as being emotionally exhausted, just feeling spent at the end of the day, having a sense of depersonalization, really caring less about our individual patients, and then feeling ineffective a feeling like what I did today didn't really matter. So I think the symptoms of burnout can be very similar for physicians, no matter where we practice. Those are great points about 
the impact of burnout overall for all physicians. But does practice setting have anything to do with uh, variations in burnout or attempts to reduce burnout? Right. So I think when we think about the drivers of burnout, um, we think about them in three buckets, organizational culture, practice efficiency, and organizational support for individual self-care. And those drivers will have different flavors in private practice setting versus in um, an employed setting. For example, in small practices, each physician has a greater influence over the culture of the practice. And so that's an advantage that private practices have, that they can um, help to create the culture among their fellow physicians and among their staff that aligns with their own values, whether that be the value of growing the practice or serving a particular patient population or being financially stable, you can uh, have greater influence on culture. In terms of practice efficiency, again, physicians in private practice have more agency over how the workflow goes and how the information flow goes. And so have the opportunity to set up really strong models of team-based care. Private practice physicians may also feel the extra financial burden and feel like they're taking a greater financial risk in terms of building up those advanced models of team-based care and having a stronger team. I know in my own practice, the fact that I was directly cost accounted for all of my overhead, it gave me the freedom to make the choice that I wanted to hire an extra nurse to be part of our practice. And I was really glad that I did because the increased productivity that resulted more than made up for the additional cost of that nurse. But even if it had been neutral or even a little cost negative, the improvement in the quality of my life and the improvement in the quality of care I felt we gave to our patients would have been worth it. And so small practices have the additional financial stress of being responsible for um, the bottom line, but also have the additional agency or control to be able to make those decisions uh, for themselves. Yes, those are great points. I know that in the research we have done um, with individual physician practices, having um, that flexibility and agency um, and quite frankly, being able to evaluate the trade-offs, which you had flagged um, and highlighted, I think did give them a, a general sense of satisfaction about the job and the, the practice setting that they've selected. So uh, I think those are great points for our listeners. I agree, Carol. And that third bucket that I mentioned of drivers of burnout or professional satisfaction, it's inverse. Um, the third bucket is institutional support for individual self-care. And here's another area where physicians in private practice do have more flexibility. And an example was um, when my husband, also an internist, and I had two toddlers, when we started our practice, we were able to set our schedules to meet our needs as parents. And as the children grew, we were able to modify our schedules. So once they were in elementary school, we modified our schedule. So one was there when they left for school and the other was there when they returned home. And that kind of authority over the details of your daily life 
is so important to work-life integration and to professional satisfaction. And it is something that physicians in private practice can take advantage of. I couldn't agree more. We hear this quite often from um, residents and young physicians going into practice that are really intrigued by the private practice model because of that flexibility that is offered to them. So um, that's really a great point. So what is the impact of a physician's working environment? And are there any similarities with physicians in other practice settings with regards to burnout? So Carol, that's a really interesting question. And when I first started becoming involved in practice transformation and burnout at the national level, one of the things I had the opportunity to do was to visit now over 75 practices across the country and shadow physicians as they did their work. And this was a variety of settings, both private and uh, academic and employed and FQHCs, small and large, rural, urban And one of the things that struck me was how similar the challenges were, that the administrative structures were often very different. But when you got down at the practice level, most physicians were facing very similar challenges, how to manage the volume of work. And that's really become an issue with the inbox, which right now is just exploding for many, many physicians, how to find and retain support staff and how to train that support staff, how to stay current with the exponential growth of medical knowledge. And then uh, I think physicians, particularly in smaller private practices, have the additional responsibilities of actually running the business, of dealing with the insurance companies and the regulations and and all of those kinds of uh, responsibilities. And and so I think by and large, the, the challenges are similar And yet, while physicians in private practice do have advantages in terms of flexibility and autonomy and agency, they also have the additional responsibilities. One thing that I was surprised to find was that physicians who were not in private practice, and particularly physicians who didn't own their practice, can easily feel disempowered, can feel somewhat at the mercy of a large system, where physicians who own their own practice naturally took on a more owner's mindset, which is that, oh, here's a problem. Let me see if I can solve that. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. So the points you make resonate with the work that we're doing at the AMA and actually why we have really enhanced our focus on supporting physicians in the private practice setting. As you know, Chris, from all the tremendous work you're doing on burnout um, reduction with healthcare systems, the AMA, all of the work that we do supports physicians in all practice settings. Yet, but because of um, some of those really specific, unique challenges that you just highlighted, 
we have undertaken this initiative and have developed you know, very specific tools and resources for the private practice physician. So thank you for highlighting those. Um, back to actual burnout, um, are there particular areas that private practices need assistance with to improve their own well-being and that of their staff to reduce physician burnout? Uh, Carol, I think that there are some unique needs uh, for private practice because as physicians going through medical school and residency, we are not trained in process improvement, in change management, or even in team building approaches. So having some additional support in terms of process improvement uh, can be quite helpful. We have several steps forward toolkits that are free and available online that address some of these issues. We have some on change management. We have one on recruiting and retaining medical assistants. We have a saving time playbook, which provides practical tips on some of our core practice fundamentals. And you can read these toolkits online. And for many of them, there are related podcasts and webinars. So for those who prefer to listen as they drive or exercise or do other things, you can hear an interview with the author of the toolkits. And then when you want to, you can dive deeper uh, into the resources online. And I know you were the founder of Steps Forward. Share with us the latest stats and numbers on that. Happy to. So since Steps Forward began, which was about five, six years ago, maybe just a little longer, we've now had 1.3 million unique users of these resources. And I think part of why they are so widely used is that we have intentionally made them for physicians by physicians, and we have made them actionable, practical, one-stop resources where a physician or practice manager can go and learn how to do some aspect of improvement. Maybe it's holding team meetings, having daily huddles, how to do pre-visit laboratory testing to improve the flow in your practice. And there's a toolkit on each of those topics. We have now over 70 different toolkits The toolkits come with step-by-step guidance on how to implement the um, innovation in your environment. And then there are downloadable tools that would supplement that to make it easier for you. So for example, in the team meeting toolkit, there's a downloadable agenda in a Word document. So you can download that, then you can modify it to your own needs. We've tried to make it as simple as possible for busy physicians and practice managers to just get started. And indeed, uh, with over 1 million users, um, individual and unique, we recognize that um, probably not only are physicians accessing those tools and resources, but clearly many practice administrators as well. Um, And those handy um, downloadable PDF checklists, we know that those um, make offices run much more smoothly. And we work really hard to to format things so that it really does help implementation. So with regards to administrators, in your experience, how can they help improve practice culture? And um, more importantly, 
really restore autonomy to the physicians so that they're actually doing what they most love and want to do, which is to spend time and care for their patients? Great question. And there are a number of things that administrators can do, some very practical and some almost theoretical. So on a practical basis and linking back to our conversation about the Steps Forward toolkits, a practice manager or administrator can sit down with a team and have them go through our practice assessment tool. It's a a series of about 12 questions. And when you go through that, you get a the opportunity to reflect on, well, how do we handle laboratory testing? How do we handle things like team meetings? And you can see various levels of sophistication in the answers, and you can therefore see, oh, we're sort of beginning on the journey, or we're a little further along, but now I see where we can be going. So we have the practice assessment tool, which can be a conversation starter for administrators and practice leaders who want to move toward a more efficient and satisfying model of care. And then on the theoretical, I think there are a few things that leaders can do. And one is to um, realize that a task is not always safer if the physician does it. In fact, oftentimes it is safer to delegate some of the tasks to an upskilled team member. For example, Many practices have found that by having the nurse or medical assistant research the inbox messages and then bring those to the physician with the backstory makes the management of that inbox message more efficient and makes the result a safer, better result than if the inbox message went straight to the physician without any preceding research and support. So that raises a point, Chris. Oftentimes, physician practices may not realize that they do not have to do all this work. They may be fearful of um, specific regulations or um, some uh, myths or beliefs that they think they have to do something a certain way and that they themselves have to be the one that's entering all this information And I know that led you to begin um, with our other initiative on uh, dispelling regulatory myths. Do you want to talk a little bit about that work and what it it is intended to do? Sure. This is one of my favorite initiatives at the AMA, um, debunking regulatory myths. We currently have nine myths that we have posted. And with each one of them, we post what the common misunderstanding is. And then we very clearly state what the reality is. Then we discuss that a little bit further. And then we provide links to the official language that supports this interpretation. Oftentimes that language comes directly from CMS. Other times it comes from the Joint Commission. So we have uh, some on whether commercial plans are required to adopt the new 2021 evaluation and management codes, which have made it much simpler for physicians to document their outpatient uh, services. And indeed, they are required to adopt them, and we discuss that. We address the question of uh, whether a nurse or a medical assistant can enter orders into the electronic health record at the direction of the physician, and in fact, they can. We provide information about how long a prescription duration might be made available. 
So I think a lot of the burden that physicians experience on a day-to-day basis comes from an over-interpretation of existing regulations. And so you can go to our debunking regulatory myths page and find some clear answers. And you can also suggest your own topics for further clarification in the future. Thank you for walking through that. I I do agree. I think physicians um, often feel like they don't want to be running afoul of um, specific laws or regulations, um, but don't have the real understanding. And the AMA is really helpful in this. And just in terms of cutting through the noise, cutting through potential um, misunderstandings and just providing that exact language, I think it's been very helpful, a really important initiative. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. So Carol, there's one more tool that I think physicians in private practice and in other settings can find helpful, and that is a de-implementation checklist that we've also made available uh, at the AMA. And it is an effort to allow leaders to reduce some of the unintended burdens on clinicians that come from over-interpretation or come from policies that might've made sense at one point, but are no longer necessary. And so a practice manager could sit down with this list and look at what are the things we're doing in our EHR that we could stop doing or that we could simplify that would reduce the burden on our clinical staff? What are the things within our compliance realm that we are doing that maybe we don't need to be doing any longer? And so it's a two-page list of uh, suggestions for things to look over and uh, de-implement. Thank you. That's great. We've talked a lot today about how physicians can take some steps within their own practices um, to reduce some of this um, administrative burden that is leading to burnout. But we also know that the AMA is working very hard to interact with people external to the physician practice environment to try to remove some of those obstacles. Obviously, all the work we do with our advocacy unit with uh, CMS around reducing regulatory burden, Um, clearly all the work that we've been doing around prior authorization. Um, So I don't want our audience to think that, oh, this is all just something that a physician practice has to solve. The AMA fully understands that there are many stakeholders involved in these conversations, and we continue to have dialogues um, and, and pursue every strategy we can to reduce the burden on physicians. I don't know, Chris, if you had anything additional or any other thoughts you wanted to add to that. I I do. Thank you. Because I think that the 2021 evaluation and management coding documentation changes have to be among the most substantial improvements that I have seen on a regulatory, uh, from a regulatory point of view over the three decades of my career, that having the level of service determination be driven by medical decision-making alone rather than by history and or exam means that 
you can document what will be helpful to you or the next physician caring for the patient in terms of history and exam, but you no longer have to count bullet points under the exam and you no longer have to artificially try to create duration, time, and context modifying symptoms for a care episode for which those dimensions don't make sense. And one can also bill by time, um, but when you're billing by content, the changes have been so substantial and they decrease the cognitive workload that the physician has to carry in their brain as they're caring for the patient. No longer have to be thinking about how many bullet points for history, how many bullet points for exam am I doing? So I I just find that to be an extraordinary change. And Carol, you're absolutely right. The work you've done and the work with um, our advocacy colleagues with the AMA was a big part of that. Right. So as we're we're coming to a close, I just want to note that clearly your work over the last three decades, um, actually being in practice and really understanding what it is like for a physician in an independent practice is so crucial. And um, so thank you so much for everything that you're doing for the AMA and for our members and um, others um, who reference AMA resources um, every day. Um, It's invaluable experience and we keep chipping away at the problem. And to your point about E&M documentation, significant win. And the AMA is providing a lot of resources for physicians on those changes. But change takes time. Um, Implementation is hard. But the AMA and you were working together really um, hard to make it somewhat less difficult for a physician to implement these these, um, tremendous changes. So, Chris, as we're wrapping up today, um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our physician and other listeners around burnout and next steps that they can take? Sure. So I think it's really important to recognize that burnout is a solvable problem, that you have to invest time to save time. So if you invest two hours on a given day to determine how to save 10 minutes every day for the rest of the year and year after year, that's going to pay off big dividends. I also also think it's important to recognize that Burnout isn't a zero-sum game, that when we work together with our office staff to help solve problems, we're not transferring burnout from the physician to the medical assistant or to other staff, but we're actually reducing burnout for everyone, that burnout is infectious Mm. and it's inverse, professional fulfillment, finding joy in the work that we do that also is infectious. And so as the leader of a practice, when the physician is able to connect with the meaning and purpose of their work and bring the staff into that connection with the meaning and purpose, we all benefit. And in the end, then, of course, our patients benefit from that. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much um, for all your your hard work, clearly, and the perspectives that you've shared with us today, um, particularly around how burnout can impact uh, private practice physicians, as well as ways that they can improve well-being and professional satisfaction for them and their staff. My pleasure. Happy to be with you today. Thanks so much. 
You too. For more information about the resources that were discussed today, visit ama-assn.org slash guiding practices to support your practice's sustainability. I'm Carol Vargo, and until next time, this has been Thriving in Private Practice. Thank you so much for listening today.